Truth Espresso, episode 181. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, friends and foes and lurkers and whatever you are <laughs> alike. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, along with my sweet, beautiful co-host, Chelsea. Thank you, sweetheart, for doing this with me once again to talk about and continue what we were talking about last week, which was the tragic Uvalde shooting in Texas. And so you're ready to take on this um, rather difficult topic in this episode? Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> yeah. And so last week, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I recommend it for more background information, but you probably are aware if you've been reading the news, following social media, that an 18-year-old named Salvador Ramos went into a school. Well, after he shot his grandmother, he went into the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, and he ultimately killed 19 children and two teachers. And so this is one of the most deadly shootings in recent history. Because of that, yes, we mentioned last week that we should think of the parents and friends and family of those who died there and let them mourn before introducing a lot of politics. But people whose lives are influenced a lot by politics don't seem to want to let that happen. Everything is all about politics you know, never let a crisis go to waste. And so every time people are killed by guns, we see lots of more calls for gun control. So that kind of begs the question, is gun control the answer or the solution to the school shootings that we're seeing going on? Yeah, at first glance, at first thought, it seems like, yeah, I mean, what was the problem? Why should an 18-year-old or someone who just turned 18 be able to buy, I think it was two AR-15s? He brought at least one in with, I think, over 300 rounds of ammo. Yeah, sprayed some people there. And so you'd think that if you just didn't allow him, you know, made it illegal for an 18-year-old to buy an AR-15, which often guns like that are referred to as assault weapons, but, you know, that's a political term. It's not an official term. (laughs) AR doesn't stand for assault rifle. It doesn't stand for automatic rifle because it's neither. It stands for armalite rifle. And in a sense, you know, yeah, it has a detachable magazine and might load differently, but it shoots the same type of round. It's semi-automatic. You know, there's a lot of similarities between your traditional rifle with a wooden handle. And yeah, just because it looks scary, that's why a lot of people who don't know much about guns will say, hey, we need to ban this. But yeah, this is okay. (laughs) seems like a little bit of a rabbit trail, but at first glance, at first thought, you know, it seems like, hey, why don't we just ban weapons like this? And, you know, maybe if it's banned, an 18-year-old wouldn't be able to kill as many people 
as he did there. So what do you think, sweetheart? <laughs> is is just banning AR-15s or banning assault rifles or banning certain types of guns like that the solution? Maybe it would prevent these mass shootings? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I was trying to make you answer this question. Um, no, that is not the solution. I know we briefly talked about this last week a little bit, but when you're trying to ban a specific weapon or put into law more restrictions on getting it, the bad guys, the murderers, do not follow the law. They're not going to follow the rules they're still going to access these weapons. They're going to access them illegally. And then the people that are good and can protect are more vulnerable and they're not able to defend themselves, defend their family because they're going to be more limited. And so ultimately, yeah, that's not going to work. And I know we heard this argument recently we were watching something the other night um, with a governor, maybe, that was presenting some information. Oh, yeah. I know we watched a video with uh, Representative Thomas Massey talking about yes. uh, the Gun-Free School Zones Act in 1990, how Supreme Court invalidated it, but then Congress kind of revived it by, you know, tweaking the language and so on like that to make sure that there's a Gun-Free School Zones Act to try to keep guns out of schools or, or away from schools, make them somehow illegal. Legal, but states can then try to come up with their own ways to make exceptions with licenses and stuff like that. But otherwise, you know, no one could just legally bring a gun in. But that didn't stop Ramos. But yeah. yeah. So I thought it was interesting, like his point in bringing that up was that, okay, you're trying to make schools safer, but ultimately it actually made them more of a target because mm, yeah. then there isn't any defense in place and I also liked his point too where he mentioned that last time he looked murder was illegal and I think you might have mentioned this too like <laughs> yeah last okay, episode yeah <laughs> even if we legalize murder or legalize <laughs> if we make murder illegal people are still going to murder yeah. because it's never been legal and <laughs> same with guns like if we're going to say they're not legal to carry then the lawbreakers are still going to obtain them <laughs> and it's not just guns I know you mentioned this briefly last week too like there's so many different like forks knives like mm, yeah. chemicals. I mean, there's so <laughs> many different things you could do if you're determined to harm people or kill people. So I'm thinking that this is just kind of a smoke screen of what the real issue is. No pun intended. Wait, would there be a pun there? But I mean, where there's <laughs> guns, some guns can make smoke and stuff. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> So it's not the guns that are the problem here. Although, you know, he used a gun, that doesn't mean, yeah, because as we mentioned, people will find a way to make explosives. People do murder with explosives. The issue is if someone wants to kill people, he's going to find a way. We mentioned that last episode. I mean, think in the 1990s, is it, trying to remember exactly if it was 95 or something, you had the Oklahoma City bomber. Now, couldn't he have just found an AR-15 
<laughs> and gone in and started spraying people in the building while he decided to kill people, you know, and destroy a building with explosives. <laughs> you can find different ways for mass murder, so just trying to make illegal certain token things is not going to stop, you know, people from wanting to kill. So, as we're looking for the solutions for preventing mass murder, we don't go for the token or the tool, the instrument, what we want to go for. I know we mentioned it last week. Ask the question, why do some people want to kill other people? You know, answering that question is really getting it to the heart of solving this problem. So, what are some solutions? There are some solutions, you know, that should work in tandem for preventing some of these mass murders. Now, of course, we're kind of being a little bit armchair here with this, but researching articles and stuff, you know, this isn't us making up stuff, you know, from armchair quarterbacking, but... In the case of this particular shooting in Uvalde and plenty of other mass murders, one thing to keep in mind is to pay attention to warning signs and to report them. And as information is coming out, there were actually plenty of warning signs that spanned a pretty decent amount of time that if someone you know, would have just reported this, Ramos could have gotten some therapy some mental help some counseling <laughs> but here are some of the warning signs in this case so salvador ramos had repeatedly harassed teenage girls on social media particularly the social media site yubo y-u-b-o now i never heard of yubo until i read about this so you know it seems like there's quite a few social media platforms that this old exennial <laughs> has never heard of you know it's like gone are the days of facebook and twitter you know and now we have a plethora of social media platforms but you know i'm i guess i'm too old to keep up with <laughs> all of these but <laughs> you're not too old <laughs> you know, i'm from the past generation who must not be hip enough on all these platforms but <laughs> <laughs> so on Yubo Ramos repeatedly revealed names of girls and he was revealing their, their names to kind of coerce them to do things he wanted them to do he threatened them and if they didn't pay attention to them he basically said something to the effect of you don't want to find out what I would do if you don't cooperate mm -hmm. stuff like that like that's one of the warning signs Signs. And we'll have links to these in the show notes. There's an article from thesun.co.uk that describes this and what things that he said. It has a screenshot of conversations there. Another warning sign is that Ramos made a video of himself holding a bag of dead cats. <laughs> And so, yeah, I know we'll get into this a little bit, but his mom, when asked after this shooting incident, has said that she never knew him to have any violent tendencies. Well, <laughs> maybe he didn't slap a kid or maybe, you know, at school, but this to me sounds like a violent tendency here. 
cruelty to animals. I'm not saying animals are equal with humans, but anyone would recognize cruelty to animals as something you do not ignore. And if someone's willing to stone-facedly show that he kills cats for fun, well, that's not someone you think you would be safe around even as a human being. (laughs) And it's interesting, often when parents are interviewed about their kids that were Hmm. shooters like this, the parents, I don't want to say 100% of the time, but it seems like it is 100% of the time, they will say, oh, my kid would never do that. He was so sweet and quiet and yeah. he was never violent. Like, it just seems like they are not even aware of who their kid is. Yeah, it's interesting. Exactly. Because that is the case with Ramos's mom, Adiana Reyes, who, when asked, you know, she would always describe him as a very reserved, kind of antisocial teenage boy. And that is a warning sign, too, if he's like very much a loner cut off. Like, why is he like that? What are you doing to help him? And as we get into his relationship with his mom, there's going to be reasons, it seems, why he would be like that. And if someone's often reserved, you have to wonder what's going on in his head. What is he doing behind the scenes? And so, yeah, that's another warning sign. He needs uh, good relationships. Yeah, so I have a link if you were interested in seeing about the bag there. But yeah, just to back up what I'm saying, not that I really want people to say, here, is this interesting? But yeah, first uh, solution, first part of the solution is that we need to pay attention to warning signs and report them. Get help. Don't wait till the really bad stuff happens. We need to not just think that someone's strange behavior is just a personality type. You know, report things, even if they seem minuscule, because the minuscule can turn to majuscule. <laughs> and I think it's so important as parents that we invest in our children and just take that time to know like how they're doing and what are their struggles or what are their challenges? How can we pray for them this week and how can we encourage them? I think so often we get consumed with everything else and we kind of brush our kids off Mm, and we're like oh sorry you're upset well let's go do this or oh you had a bad day at school i'm sorry okay now eat your supper and go to bed (laughs) i mean we just quickly brush stuff off and we don't take the time to investigate and Mm. show that we value our children and that we see them and that we see they're hurting or they're carrying the weight of something I think that, I don't know, (laughs) as a parent, I'm just like, oh, if someone just even took the time to see, like, this kid is hurting, he Mm. needed help, he needed someone to see him, and it could have been a totally different scenario, so, it's like, okay, now as a parent, I'm like, all right, we need to invest in our kids, (laughs) and like, it's hard to do, and we are far from perfect with doing that with our kids, but. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> but it's know. worth it, yeah. you know, worth the effort. Yeah. And just keep yeah. praying that God gives us wisdom and insight to know how to reach our kids and how mm. to help them through life. Yeah. 
We talked about in our series on marriage about communication, the importance of communication between husband and wife, but likewise communication between parents and children. (laughs) And it seems to me that Salvador Ramos did not get much communication with his parents. So the problem (laughs) that we're trying to solve here, the problem with uh, why we seem to see all these mass shootings, I suggest, is growing ungodliness, weak family dynamics, and rampant depression. (laughs) And that shows through as we look uh, more into uh, Salvador Ramos's situation. As we get to know him a little bit, we see that this is indeed true. It seems like this type of situation is in a great majority of the mass shootings. So Ramos's mother, that we mentioned, Adiana Reyes, <laughs> if I pronounced that correctly, had a drug addiction. So that's one factor that doesn't help in the development of children is seeing parents who have these kinds of addictions because they become detached. They're kind of focused on suppressing things within themselves, paying attention to themselves, disconnecting themselves from the reality of the world around them. And so a mother with a drug addiction is not going to be paying attention to her children. And so why was Ramos such a loner? Why was he such a reserved young teenager? Well, because it seems like he's kind of put into that situation because his mother wasn't seeming to help with that. And now I'm not going to put all the blame on his mother because his father, you know, was not involved. His father left. And so we have once again, one of these single mother situations because of a father who didn't put in the effort to be a father, just have a child with a woman and then leave because who knows what he didn't want to commit. I tried to find things, but I don't know everything about what happened with his father. But yeah, this seems to be a common situation here. And so Ramos and his mother fought and yelled at each other a lot. And, you know, as if this isn't a growing problem. And so... Yeah, this is a a factor as to why someone would have the mental situation to do something like this. They're not getting the attention. And so sometimes it seems that young people who don't get the attention that they need, the caring attention... They arrive at the conclusion, and of course, you know, as you're growing up as a young person and you don't get what you need, you're going to tend to put the blame on yourself, and then you think that, well, I can't love anyone, no one loves me, and if I'm going to get attention, how do I get it? By making something of myself in a negative way, you know, like, this is how I redeem myself, this is how I get attention, by making a splash that no one can, you know, deny. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of times when children feel neglected Mm. or unseen that they look to other people Mm. or other things to fill that need. And a lot of times what they end up finding are things that are negative and just Mm. cause them to fall deeper into that Mm. hole of depression or just negative thinking in general in isolation, like you mentioned. Mm. So it kind of stinks, like they're kind of set up to fall into this trap easily 
But I'm not saying that someone can turn their life around from that either, but it's kind of the cards are stacking up against them type of thing. Yeah, we know God, you know, can work miracles and God gives grace, but without the grace of God, this is how things naturally evolve. As a child is neglected by his parents, his father, you know, he didn't have a father figure. His mother wasn't much of a mother because she was pacifying herself with drugs. And I don't see where his mother is going to be a cheerleader for him. You know, like you can do it being a positive influence rather just ignoring him or, you know, okay, if she's not fighting or arguing with him, she's ignoring him. So, Adiana Reyes denies that there was a strained relationship between her and her son, Salvador Ramos. She's quoted as saying, I had a good relationship with him. He kept to himself. He didn't have many friends, unquote. You know, well, she thinks that she had a good relationship with him, but she doesn't draw a conclusion from the fact that she describes her son as keeping to himself and not having many friends. Well, you know, did she encourage him on how to get good friends? Did she help out? Was she interested in the ones who he would have? Did she talk with other kids and you know, supervise or anything like that. It doesn't seem that way. And so she describes her relationship with him as good, you know, whenever she's asked by the news. So I have to say, doesn't that indicate that she ignores him if he kept to himself and didn't have many friends and that she isn't aware of his life much because of her drug addiction? But I think someone who's addicted to drugs is not going to have a very good grasp on what's going on around her. And so, yeah, she thinks that it's perfectly fine, but it obviously wasn't for what happened. You know, it didn't just happen in a vacuum. She said that he wasn't a violent person. Well, that shows just how much she knew or was aware. If he made a video of himself holding a bag of dead cats, he's threatening girls online, and she obviously didn't know much about what he was doing on social media there. There's also reports of one of his schoolmates, his friends, as they were, I believe it was they met in a park, and Ramos had like cuts on his face, like what seemed to be scratches or scars. So his friend asked him what happened, and Ramos first said that it was cat scratching his face, but eventually he confessed that it was because he was cutting his face with a knife, and his friend doesn't know what to make of it. He just said well why would you do something like that like his friends taken back he's kind of like whoa but for a teenage boy his peers are not going to be psychologists they're not going to know they're not counselors they're not going to know make the connections okay this is because your home life isn't good this is because your parents aren't paying attention to you you know they're just going to wonder well why would you do a silly thing like that and that's another thing that we see where if a child is not getting what they need from their parents, they're going to look elsewhere, but they're not going to find it elsewhere in any meaningful, mature way. And a peer like that is not going to be able to counsel him in a way that a loving parent should. So I mentioned his mother said they had a good relationship. Her boyfriend, Juan Alvarez, 
when asked about his observation of Ramos and his mother's relationship, he has always said that what appeared to him was Ramos was weird and that he had a hard time establishing a relationship with Ramos, but he noticed that Ramos and his mother's relationship was strained and tumultuous. He noticed arguings and fightings and when Ramos would periodically live with his grandmother after an argument with his mother. So Reyes's boyfriend, Ramos's mother's boyfriend, picked up on the idea that they didn't get along very well. But to his drug-addicted mother, she didn't see anything wrong. You know, oh, he's going to live with his grandmother for a while, huh? You know, it's just something he wants to do periodically, you know? So, (laughs) they had two completely different ideas of what this relationship was like, so... That demonstrates that Ramos did not get a a loving mother, and he had an absent father, and so those are important factors into why we end up with these mass shootings. You know, as I said, growing ungodliness, weak family dynamics, and rampant depression are all connected there with the breakdown of the family, and this is one of those instances of that. Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons. Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdotheybelieve.com. So, to think that the availability of guns is the problem, I would say is to be out of touch with reality. The reason Salvador Ramos decided to kill others and himself is because he had a low view of life. That's really the root of the problem. And then that begs the question is, well, why did he have a low view of life? Well, I would say, as we observe the information coming out about his family dynamics, it was because his parents have a low view of life, and they had a low view of his life in particular. Why do I say that? Because his mother was disconnected from him. She thought it was perfectly okay that he seemed to be a loner and didn't have many friends. His father had a low view of his life to be involved and to be a father to him. Ramos, as I mentioned, lived in a fatherless home. He periodically lived with his grandmother after he had a fight with his mother. And, you know, his grandmother was critical of him also. His mother and his grandmother would be critical of his lower grades or that he failed some of his graduation tests. But were they encouraging him, trying to help him say, you know, you can do it here. You need some help. Let me see if I can help you. Let's do this together. I don't see that in his life here. I looked up from a statistic from fathers.com. Children of fatherless homes are four times more likely to live in poverty. 
four times. And likewise, they're at least twice as likely to commit crimes. You know, there's statistics on the likelihood of children who don't have a strong, loving two-parent household. <laughs> mother and father. Yes, parents. mother and father. That's what I mean by that. Yeah. Two-parent as in mother and father. <laughs> from this podcast, from Truth Espresso, when we talk about parents, we mean mother, a female parent, and father, a male parent. <laughs> we know how to describe a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we saw the trailer for What is a Woman by Matt Walsh's new documentary out there, you know. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy there. But what we mean, yeah, we mean a female mother and a male father. So if children are not finding a good example of masculinity in an involved father, they're going to look elsewhere and they will find immature masculinity in peers and gangs or co-workers things like that but there's no replacement for the mature masculinity that you would or rather should find in an involved father which ramos didn't have his father did not have the masculinity that ramos needed and boys need fathers and if they're not going to have you know a father figure they're going to have that insecurity because it's difficult for boys to feel secure if all they have is a mother. And now I want to say, I want to give praise where praise is due. If there is, you know, in the situations where you have a single mother who, you know, it wasn't her fault, you know, the father left and she's trying to do the right thing, you know, say she's a committed Christian and she knows what a child needs and she's going to try to be the example, I want to say, you know, more power to her praise upon her. So I'm going to interject something. Yeah. <laughs> so there have been quite a few situations that I know of where a father passed away yeah. and you know the mom's suddenly having to raise her four boys and there are so mm. many resources out there that are very helpful that I think mm. it's probably hard to think oh I need to find a godly father figure for my son mm. during that time but I think that it is something so important that when you're in a good spot that these are things that you should kind of think through like okay, we know it's important for boys to have that father figure. So if something does happen and you are lacking that father figure in their life, looking at, I know before a long time ago when it was better run, Boy Scouts was a great option, <laughs> yeah. but now they're kind of sketchy, yeah. but just thinking of like, okay, there's good fathers in the church sometimes and yeah. you can just reach out to them. Like there's a bunch of different ways that you can think through of how to have that influence come beside you there too. And mm. so it's, you don't have to try and do it all alone. Mm. There yeah. are options as well. <laughs> and it's harder oh, yeah. to do that, of course, 
And I think that's probably why a lot of times that doesn't happen. Yeah, because I was looking on fathers.com and their statistics even talking about that there's less likelihood for a child to turn to crime even with a single mother if she's trying to do the right thing and support him and be a good mother and stuff like that than one who's disconnected. But, you know, Mm -hmm. the best statistics are for the biological mother and biological father both focusing on raising their children together and, you know, that provides the least likelihood of your child turning to crime, you know, by far, you look at the statistics. But yeah, as I said, especially boys, if they're not finding the masculinity that they need from an involved father, they turn to peers very often they will turn to gangs because they see what they're missing, say, from their mother. They don't have the masculinity there. They have to have it. And so they turn to, like, gangs because without the mature influence of masculinity from a good father, they find an example of what they think is the masculinity from the toughness that they crave from the immaturity of gangs. And so that's often why in inner cities and so on you'd see a lot of members of gangs teenagers and college age kids in gangs they don't have a father figure without the father there is a much higher likelihood of boys especially turning to crime When we look at Ramos' fatherless home, his mother's drug addiction, and her ignorance of his needs, we can see that he wasn't valued and didn't get the nurturing attention that he needed. So naturally, he tried to get what he lacked from his school peers, but his peers were likely to see his quirks and make fun of them, as that's what happened too. Uh, His mother was aware that he seemed to be bullied by kids in school, and we say that that's wrong. But sometimes as kids are growing up, when they see quirks, it can be somewhat natural for kids. You know, we need parents to explain to them, you don't do this. But when kids are looking for what they're lacking from their parents and they look for them in their peers and their peers see a quirk like Ramos kind of was made fun of as like he lacked masculinity because he would speak, you know, he had a little bit of a speech impediment, you know, or he would slur his words some and so they would make fun of him and yeah that's absolutely wrong but that's a problem with when kids they have might have a natural tendency that needs parents to tell them you don't do that (laughs) but that's still something that kids are just naturally likely to do with other kids and they need to be trained not to do that but that's one of the problems there if you're looking for what you need from a peer you're likely to get this kind of thing from your peers and so you know kind of shut off from parents shut off from peers made fun of from peers and they don't understand why he has these quirks and so yeah you end up with them making fun of him and that's you know kind of like a one-two punch there So when Ramos had a poor upbringing without a strong family bond with mother and father, he didn't have that, and they didn't invest their time and care into him, he became a loner, and he had to seek what he needed elsewhere. Social media, yeah, that's not a good place to get what you need as a child, and peers, you need friends, but 
you know, his mother said he didn't have many friends, but he's looking for it from peers and they're going to make fun of him. There's just no good replacement for what a child needs than from loving parents. And unfortunately, Ramos didn't have that. And I'd say that a lot of what contributes to the breakdown of the family dynamic is hookup culture. And, you know, we see a lot of this, you know, you have uncommitted fathers, you have single mothers, you know, you have welfare mothers, you have you know men jumping from woman to woman and single mothers dating around and still why do we have hookup culture today you know of course i would like to put the blame on government programs you know that's a topic for another episode of truth espresso is how government welfare programs contribute to the breakdown of the family dynamic which you know we should do some episodes on that sometime but yeah, this is getting to the heart of the problem of Ramos's situation as to why he would see the need to shoot people, to kill people, whether he was able to buy guns, you know, as we mentioned earlier, that's a surface level question. What we're doing here is to ask the question, why would he want to kill people? And we see a lot of the stuff coming out that it comes to family problems. The breakdown of families and his family is an example of that. And so, sweetheart, you have some more stuff you want to mention a little bit as to why there's problems with families, especially whether someone even has one parent or two parents parents need to invest in their children and yeah when parents don't invest in their children you can have problems (laughs) yeah so i think that one of my favorite verses that is challenging as a parent but also Mm. kind of encouraging as well comes from deuteronomy 6 verse 7 it says and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children talking about god's commandments And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. (laughs) I just think that this is so important as parents. Like We are constantly teaching Mm. and interacting with our children about what's right and what's Mm. wrong. And God just tells parents that is our job as parents to teach these to our children. And it's not just one hour every day. It's when you wake up, when you're walking, when you're going to sleep. It's an all-day thing. Mm, And then it's kind of like, okay, so what do we teach our children? Mm. And I think a good verse that I like to look at to kind of help me (laughs) think through this is from Philippians 4, verse 8. Yeah, that's It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good rapport, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. And I just think this verse is a good guideline for what we teach our children, what we allow them to participate in what we let them hear, see, what their influences are. 
And I think our culture has gone mm. downhill so fast with this because of the access that we have through everyone has a phone now, everyone has access to videos on demand and YouTube, and there's just an inundation of mm. things that are harmful for our children. They're able to watch shows or movies or listen to music and you know watch these TikTok dares that they do mm. that are harmful to them and harmful to other people. And a lot of times they're going totally unmonitored. Parents yeah. just say, oh, here's a yeah. phone or here's yeah. an iPad. Go hang out and mm. I can go do what I need to do. Yeah. And then there's no supervision, mm. no interaction of saying, oh, that kid was beating up on this other kid. That is not what we're supposed to do. Mm. There's just so much that it's starting to teach young kids about wrong behavior. And if we're not combating that with truth and what God's word says, then they're going to think it's okay. And I was just thinking about this a lot because I think video games is one of those things that mm. comes up often in the um, mass shooting oh, yeah. scenarios, especially with these younger kids. And I know there was a headline I saw on our Alexa Echo thing, <laughs> and it said, like, you know, why are there uh, younger and younger mass shooters now? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with the video games that are out there, um, especially the first person shooting games. Mm -hmm. And I was looking up some medical studies that they've done on this and how those actually affect your brain. And it's so interesting, kind of scary, but mm -hmm. also just really good information. So in 2017, a Montreal researcher looked at how a first-person shooter game affected kids' brains in, I believe this study, they were ages 18 to 30. So they weren't super young, but it showed that there was a lot of gray matter loss in the brain. And gray matter is important for memory part mm. and also for relating emotion to mm. things. And so when you're losing that, it was actually the gray matter was atrophying. So it means it was actually dying off. And this leads to early onset of PTSD, depression. And then when they're older, it could actually predispose them to Alzheimer's. Mm. And so this is like physically oh, yeah. altering your brain mm. just from a certain type of video game. Mm. Another study, this one was a little bit older in 2002, and it was showing that the first-person shooting games will actually stimulate a part of your brain that is basically responsive. So mm. instead of having your brain like thinking in reality and kind of responding to, okay, this is something that's going on, I need to respond, it starts to shut down the emotion mm. that's attached to that. Yeah. And it's usually negative emotion. Mm. And so they're showing that a lot of times this kind of makes it seem like killing doesn't have any emotion to it. Mm. So it's almost like, okay, they can go and shoot up a bunch of kids at a school. And there's no emotion to that because they're almost living out these video games. Yeah. <laughs> which is scary. Yeah. And these video games are starting to get more and more violent, more and more graphic, and for younger ages oh, as yeah. well. 
and some of the video games they look cute they look fun or maybe a little bit educational and then you start looking into it more and there's more graphic stuff that comes in later Hmm. so i think that we just have to be so vigilant with some of these things and just aware of what our kids are being influenced by because our kids are our responsibility Mm -hmm. and that's what God commands us to do as parents and Mm -hmm. there are our precious children that he has blessed us with and we need to not take that for granted and I know like sometimes it can be overwhelming sometimes it can feel like I'm not doing good as a parent or this is too much or I'm all by myself, but let's not get stuck there. Uh, (laughs) That's where you're at. Like reach out for help because our children need us. And if we need that help, then there's no shame in getting help. Like we need to be able to help our children and raise them to understand that there is right and wrong. Hmm. That. They are cared for, and they are loved, and they are God's precious children, too. Exactly, sweetheart. Very good thoughts there. So it's like, there's the challenge for parents. Like, do we want to parent our children, or do we want disconnected video games to parent our children? You know, should we parent them, or should YouTube parent them, uh, unmonitored YouTube? Or, you know, should we parent them, or should social media and interacting with you know unknown people and chats and stuff parent them you know (laughs) so you know parents you know be involved know what they're doing monitoring asking questions getting answers converse with your children know what they need as a child as a growing child know their strengths and weaknesses encourage them Let's not disconnect from our children and let the great unknown of (laughs) the vast internet and violent video games and yeah, all those things like that be the parents of our children. (laughs) So I should add right quick that I'm not (laughs) anti-gaming. Oh yeah. There is actually the other part of the study that I mentioned earlier, the 2017 one. They compared different types of games. So some of the 3D, it had a picture of Mario Odyssey. So I'm not sure if that was one of the games. It just said Mario Nintendo 64. Oh, okay. So this is probably from an older study, but Nintendo... Well, 2017. Oh, 2017. Oh, okay. Well, examples of games like, say more harmless game like Mario 64, Mario Odyssey or something like that. Well, they said they call it a platform game. Okay, yeah. Where you had to kind of puzzle solve and think through it, Mm. that those kids' brains actually showed increased activation in their critical thinking. Mm. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. So not saying that all video games are bad. Mm -hmm. Of course, we need to have limitations on them (laughs) um, just from the frequent pictures and stuff that can affect your brain as well. But it is interesting that there are different types of video games that can actually (laughs) help your brain too. Yeah, and when I take uh, our boys to piano class, you know, and one's doing piano, it might be with the other one doing a word search game on my phone, and that'll, like, help develop searching for recognizing patterns and letters and finding words, and we're learning words, too, and stuff like that, so, yeah. 
<laughs> that's parent bonding too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so even with video games, you know, I played today, this morning, I played some video games with my boys too, and in a parental bonding way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, and also the masculine because oh yeah. That's part of the masculinity, yes. too, that they need. <laughs> you guys get quite competitive in some of those, <laughs> and us girls are running away. We're like, too much testosterone in here. Uh, I also try to be a father figure with our daughters, too, and I'll play yeah. dolls with them and tea parties. You know, oh, talked so about that before. Them. You know, I mean, I'll add a strange, you know, masculine sense of humor to it, too, but, <laughs> but they, you know, that doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> they still need that. It helps with uh, yes. too with their development there. But yeah. <laughs> Aw, you're an awesome dad. Oh, <laughs> thank you, sweetheart. Kiddos are they are so cute and, and love you and so you're much. You're an awesome mom. <laughs> so yes. The final challenge there, parents, we must recognize that we hold the keys to the next generation and mass shootings. They would not happen. The likelihood of them happening with involved, loving parents who get to know your kids every day, talk with them, converse with them. The likelihood of mass shootings like what happened in Uvalde, Texas would go way down. And so the problem isn't the availability of guns. It's like saying that we just need to lock people in cages rather than fix their problem. You know, that's the kind of logic there. But what we need is to restore the biblical understanding of morality and family and relationships and not let social media and the internet be the parents of kids, not distance yourself from your kids, not let peers and gangs be the parents to your kids, and hookup culture and all that stuff like that. And so we see all these issues there with the destruction of the family, and I have a verse <laughs> to talk about that. And with the prophet Hosea, Hosea 4, 6, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we definitely see that today. There's a lack of knowledge of the truth that destroys the people of a country. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. And so that's the tragic <laughs> observation of how God views things. If we reject the law of God, we reject the morality of God, we reject the family that God created. God created the institution of marriage. God created the institution of the family. And so we reject that to our peril. And that's what destroys a people. And that's what causes mass shootings like this. So we hope that this little discussion about Salvador Ramos and what his life was like a little behind the scenes of this shooting, that that helps us really to keep things into perspective, really to understand and answer the question of why and realize it's not all about banning AR-15s. It's about restoring the truth and restoring 
humanity, restoring love, restoring relationships, restoring the family, restoring marriages. And so we hope that you will take that journey with us and fight for the truth and stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso with us and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 